James chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, then what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Verses 14 through 18 are perhaps the most famous in the entire book of James. They get at the very core of all that James is trying to get across to his readers, that faith without works is dead. Works are the natural byproduct of saving faith. When Jesus Christ has been accepted as Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit has come into a believer's heart, there is a natural compulsion towards good works. With this in mind, Take a few moments this morning to thank God for this reality. Praise him for the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's not just enough to say, I am a Christian. Rather, the question should be asked, how does being a Christian affect my life? Think on this for a moment. Aside from the reality of knowing your sins are forgiven and that you have a place in heaven waiting, what are several tangible ways the reality of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life has changed the way that you live? Do you talk any differently than before you were a Christian, or is it pretty much the same? Some time ago, I was in a job interview with 10 other candidates. The person conducting the interview was dropping every foul word he could think of on the group for dramatic emphasis. Gradually, he worked his way around the room, finding out the occupation of every person in attendance. And when he came to me, and I responded that I was a pastor, his face lit up. And before continuing his next sentence, he said, well, from one Christian to another, I was thinking to myself, wow, I never would have guessed. About that time, he said, I know, I know. I need to read James 2 more carefully, don't I, on guarding my tongue. I just smiled, but thinking to myself, it's actually James chapter 3, but close enough. Now that I think back on that exchange, perhaps his unintentional reference to James chapter 2 was more accurate. Here was a guy who could talk a lot. He knew a lot of the right stuff. He even talked a lot about faith. Only one problem. His actions and talk did nothing to back up his claims. Aside from his profession of belief in Christ, there was little difference between the way that he acted and someone who was a committed atheist. 
In North American culture, it is common to hold some framework of faith and claim it as our own. We are quote-unquote spiritual, Christian, and so forth. But labels mean very little to God. Priests can be pedophiles, pastors can have adulterous affairs, and Christian university presidents can be crooks. Just as a shop called Integrity Automotive does not ensure there will be honest mechanics, so a person calling themselves a Christian means very little if it is not backed up by the way they live. Perhaps in your life there is an area of inconsistency that God might be speaking to you about this morning. You know how to talk well about something, but do not back up your words with your actions. If so, confess that to God. Release to him any areas of hypocrisy that might exist in your life. The illustration James uses in verses 14 through 18 is of a poor man lacking food and clothing. Rather than helping him out, someone else approaches and essentially says, get some warm clothes and eat your fill. It's like pulling up to a beggar at a stop sign who's asking for money and you roll down your window and you say to him, hey, go up the street to the local hotel, grab a bite to eat and get a good night's sleep, all the while giving him nothing to help his situation. Unfortunately, acting like this is pretty easy to do. One of the verses that I think of often in my own life is Proverbs 3:27, which says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. I think of this when one of my friends texts me that they want to borrow something I would maybe rather they did not. Instead of ignoring their text, it helps me respond, absolutely. I think of this verse when I see my phone ring late at night and know someone is needing help. Certainly we cannot help everyone, but as Andy Stanley often says, we should do for one what we wish we could do for all. We cannot single-handedly erase homelessness on our own, but we can keep a box of granola bars in our glove box to give out to beggars on street corners. By ourselves, we cannot turn the tide of teen violence in our community, but we can make a difference for one teenager who is struggling by inviting them into our homes for pizza. Chances are there are some people around you right now who are hurting. By your actions, you have one of two options. You can dismiss them with statements like, well, I'll be praying for you and hope everything gets better. Or you can make a difference in their lives. You can inconvenience your schedule, roll up your sleeves, and meet them at their point of struggle. This morning, pause and ask God to give you the opportunity and the boldness to make a difference in someone's life today. Ask him to go before you and prepare their hearts so that your actions will help to point them to Christ.
James' reference to someone in verse 18 could be a subtle way of referring to himself or to someone who is being antagonistic. Regardless of the fact, his point is clear. True faith does not exist apart from works. Dallas Willard often said, Grace is not opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. Where Christians differ from most other religions is the way they view works. Works are not a means to salvation, but are rather a necessary outflow of salvation. We cannot get that order mixed up. When we do, we live much of our lives in the fruitless attempt to earn God's favor, and the result is we never measure up. But when we recognize that no amount of works can save us, we gain a much greater appreciation for what Christ did for us on the cross. We work from the favor of God rather than working for the favor of God. As we close out this morning together, take a few moments to yield your motives to God today. If you have been trying to somehow earn the favor of God in your life, ask him for forgiveness. Instead, focus your attention on all he has done for you. Then, out of that deepening love that you have for him, work in light of what he means to you today. Jesus, it's easy to talk big and say all the right things, but I pray this day that you would help me work hard for others out of the favor and love you have shown towards me. Let me be a servant of you for the needs of others. Guard me against idle words that seem nice but have no substance. Give me the privilege of helping someone in need around me today. I rest in you. Amen.